Well, good morning, Cap City. We're so glad you're here this morning. Hey, aren't you so glad to be in the Father's house this morning? Will you stand and sing uh, this next song with us about the Father's house?
Dear God, we're just so grateful this morning to have a firm foundation. God, God, we have this this amazing church and our amazing community and above and behind all of that is the foundation of you and what what your son Jesus did on the cross. God, we're so grateful for that every day and we're, we're thankful for this opportunity to come together and worship and praise you for it. We ask that you would be with us for the remainder of the service and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today at Capital City Church. Please check out our bulletin and fill out the connection card inside with your contact information, prayer requests and praises, and then drop it in the offering as the ushers are going by later. Want to learn more about your faith? Thinking about becoming a member of Cap City? Growth Track starts today and continues next week. Be sure to join us right after church in the chapel. Next Sunday, join us for a special night of worship to support Allie Berry. The doors will open at 6 o'clock and worship will begin at 6.30. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details. Please welcome Pastor David and special guest Jamie Easterday. Well, it is a joy today to be in God's house. Amen. Where's my little table? Let me find this over here. There we go. All right. It is. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Say amen. Amen. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. Well, I have a very, very three special guests today. And uh, some of you remember me writing the book, uh, Living in the Power of One. I have one of those copies over there. Many of you have it. And uh, I have lived for many years in the, in the conviction that one person who has a dream, one person who is called of God, can make a huge difference. And I, I tried to get her other partner, who is Lana Urig, uh, to come, but Lana lives in Atlanta now and said that she couldn't come. But I want you to meet a difference maker. Jamie Easterday, will you come forward, please? And let's give her a Cap City welcome as she comes. Come up to this step. I will help you so you don't fall over all the paraphernalia. <laughs> and then you can take this mic. Have a seat. Let me tell you what. Jamie is one of the people that uh, I have appreciated for many years. And uh, she was part of our church at Brookside and was part of perhaps uh, one of the greatest ministries that I think that at least in my lifetime, uh, and at my ministry at Brookside for 25 years, uh, there were two great ministries that came out of it, RCCA, which her husband worked at, that's the Christian school, and the other is called Hope Clinic. So Jamie, would you just uh, uh, tell these folks right now what you have going at Hope Clinic? Just try to just give it a quick overview, what's there now? No, no, is that not, is it not on? Let me see. Let me check. 
go. Green light. Hope Clinic of Ross County is a clinic. Um, hold on, hold on. Eric's coming. This is our guy who does it all. <laughs> so what do we do here? We turn it on or off? Okay, there we go. Just swap microphones. Try that one. See if that works. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Thank you, Jamie. Now let's try this again. Uh, would you, <laughs> would you, would you just simply tell us where Hope Clinic is right now? Yes, Patty Malone. Um, and she and, and she uh, does a devotion with them. We have a very we have a, a large amount of people in our waiting room, and so we are able to do a devotion, and that leads on to other questions. We give out free Bibles, and and we pray with people there. So um, we take a, a situation and and we um, use it to God's advantage. Amen. And you've helped start one other one. Uh, I don't know if it's still operating down in uh, Pike County. Yes. But it's not operating it's not now. Operating pandemic took yeah. that one but uh, you have been able to help others so okay so you're hearing all of this I, how many volunteers do you have on the books now um, we probably have about 150 right now 150 volunteers how many doctors um, probably about 12 12 so doctors how many nurses um, probably we'd like to have more I know <laughs> 20 nurses, and Jamie is a nurse practitioner and uh, used to treat my mom and dad, used to also treat uh, Connie's mom, and uh, so uh, she has just been a, a dear friend for all of us and for Connie and I. Okay, so, but we hear all that now, but it didn't start that way, did it? No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, Let me just tell you, we're doing a thing called Growth Tracks today. And it's very similar to what we did on 101, 201, 301, and 401. And Jamie and Lana came. They were coming to the church. Jamie started coming and started feeling like she ought to minister somewhere. And you actually started in the children's department, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, started in the children's department. You never know where it's going to go when you work in the children's department. And uh, so her and Lana, along with a few others, came to uh, what we would call now growth tracks. And we were talking about first base is being saved, second base is growing, third base is uh, finding a ministry, and fourth base uh, is sharing our faith. And I think it was after the the third lesson, or maybe we had concluded, and you and Lana had taken the shape test. Is that right? Did you take the shape test? That's what I thought. And you came out and told me that you wanted to start just a medical ministry, right? Yes. You didn't know what it was going to be. Didn't know what that was going it was just going to be a ministry. Yes. My great faith, here's what I did. I said, let me think on this. 
And so I came back and I said, Jamie, here's what I want you to do. Why don't you set up a little clinic in the foyer? Remember that? <laughs> I said, you set up a little clinic in the foyer, and then when people come by, uh, you can give them blood pressures and, and just check on them. And I think that'll be a wonderful little ministry. What do you think about that? What did you say? No. <laughs> they looked at me and said, David, we love you, but that's not it. I said, okay, so what did you tell me you wanted to do? I said, a free medical clinic? I mean, there was nothing like this in Ross County. Um, and I said, Jamie, do you know how to run a free medical clinic? Your answer? No. <laughs> okay. Do you know anyone that knows how to run a free medical clinic? Before, at that time, not at that time, not at that time. I said, Jamie, do you have anywhere to meet for a free medical clinic? <laughs> and then the $64,000 question. Do you have any money for a friend? <laughs> and she said, and her and Lana, but we believe God is in this. And so I said, okay. It was about three weeks later. She calls me on the phone. I was in the office, and she said, you know, there's a doctor, and he is here in Ross County, and he has helped start medical clinics in Columbus. And I never will forget what you asked me. You said, should I talk to him? <laughs> I said, oh, by all means, go talk to him. And so after you talked to him, what happened then? You began to go and visit. And yeah, we, we started having meetings there at the hospital. We started having meetings. And it was a God thing because I just happened to be picking up some time in the emergency room with the nurse. And he sends this email out. And he said, I think there's a huge need. It was during the recession. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, hello. But it was God. It was God that said, that's right. And he had started several other free clinics um, throughout Ohio. So we went, and um, there was multiple people there. There were several people that was very, the first meeting, everybody was very excited about starting a free clinic. Then he starts going step by step of how much work it takes to start up a free medical clinic and how it's going to happen. And so the next meeting, we come back, and there's only a few people. Yeah, there. that's usually <laughs> what happens. <laughs> And so you started taking visits all around the state and seeing how medical clinics operate. I remember when her and Lana came in and they were very excited and said, uh, we know how to run a clinic now. And I said, okay, do you have a place? No. Do you have any volunteers? No. Do you have any money? No. no. <laughs> okay, so there's a little problem here. And yet as we begin to pray, God opened up miraculously a place for you to meet. Would you just share that? Yes. Well, um, somebody had stepped forward. They heard that we were wanting to start this free medical clinic. So somebody from the, uh, health, the Ross County Health Department said, we have all of these rooms available. We used to have a medical clinic here, but it's been shut down. And we have all these exam tables, and we have all of these rooms that are not being used at all. So would you please start your medical clinic here? He said, yes. And, um, <laughs> Michelle, 
right. was part of the health department. She was um, she was a big Christian, and she she you know was praying for something in Ross County, like the Salsa. Just so many people that was praying for something like this, and we all came together for one purpose. And tell them how much did they charge you to have that? No money at all. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> So then they decided that they were going to get the news out to Ross County that we're going to start this medical clinic. It was not going to be just a Brookside church. It was going to be the church, Big C Church. And we wanted many churches to gather in and to become part of it. And so they went on a radio station and, and they sent out different things. And we had our first training of volunteers. And do you remember how many you had that day? I do. Uh, probably like 100. It was 200, 240 people came from all over the community, not just one church. They all came. I forget how many doctors were in that, how many nurses were in that, volunteers. And, and I don't know how many churches we have involved now. Do you know how many are involved in the Hope Clinic? We have about 150 now. 150. But I mean, how many churches? Oh, how many? 30 churches. This is what happens when you decide we're going to be the big C church and not the little church. And so we started working and we opened up actually there. And now you have moved to your own facility. You also have another facility for the dental clinic. Is that right? Yes. And they do all kind of dental work. And you have the pharmacy that you help there. You have counseling services. Uh, or you still have that. Psychiatrists are there. Every, is it still every Monday night? Every Monday night. And, uh, and then they added food and brought all the people. And I tell you what, I don't know of one ministry in my entire life that's affected as many people and touched as many people and touched a community any more than Hope Clinic. And it all started out of kind of a growth tracks class that we're going to offer today. And it all started with one person. And I just want you to give Jamie a great Cap City welcome and applause. Jamie. God bless you. Jamie, thank you so much. My wife is so sad. She, she cannot be here today. She's not feeling well. And uh, Deb, would you help Jamie so she doesn't fall down? Thank you. And I just want to say uh, I'd like to have the other two ladies that are here as well. And uh, that would be uh, Patty Malone. Patty, would you stand? And Chris Adams, who is uh, Jamie's mother. And let's give them a hand. This is what happens. This is, it was one, it was a thing like that, that actually, thank you so much, that caused me, thank you, sir, man, I'm, I'm a soul set, aren't I? Um, that caused me to write this book, Living in the Power of One. And uh, all of you ought to have it. Jamie's story is in there actually twice. I'm not sure I refer to her the uh, second time, uh, but about the Hope Clinic and for what God has done there and what God has brought to pass in that. And uh, just, just know, I believe that God has great things in store for us here. 
I believe that God and we're trying to work right now and feed the homeless and do all that sort of thing and the ladies are doing that and I believe it's just the start of what God can do here and what God can do in our lives. And so I'm going to talk to you today. I want to have a prayer. But I'm going to talk to you today out of my heart. I have this Sunday and next Sunday, and, and uh, then we'll be preparing for Pastor Jonathan to come. And again, uh, we're going to be working together. We've talked about that. So uh, it's not like one's coming, the other's leaving. We're all working together. And, uh, and God's going to help us as we continue to build a Great Commission church here in Columbus. That's what we're doing. So that's the plan. But I'm going to talk to you out of my heart today, and I'll have to watch the time. I was like, I talk a long time about this. I know somebody say, David, you could talk a long time about anything. And I, and I know that's true. Um, <laughs> uh, keep down the amens, please. And, um, <laughs> but I am going to talk to you out of my heart of something that has been growing in my heart for over 30 years. I wish I could tell you that I put all of this in every place in action. I haven't. But I have to say, not all of this is just uh, my own uh, individual material. I feel it only right to say that I need to give thanks to my good friend John Maxwell, for John was able to introduce me to a great church in Chicago in which I was able to spend time with their pastor, spend time with their leadership team. Uh, that church ran about 20,000 people, and uh, they wrote different books and so forth. And they had developed what I call a philosophy of church ministry unlike anything I had ever seen before or heard before. And as I began to take this in and process it and listen to it and let it go deep, I, I would tell you today that many things have changed in that great church at Willow Creek in, in Chicago, and things are not the same anymore. But the things that they taught me still burn deep in my soul. And there is something that I, I believe in my heart that God wants to make of us as a church. I'm talking to you about the portrait of a great church. First week, a great church is a spirit-filled church. The second week, a great church, um, because of Mother's Day, realizes and understands the importance and the role of women uh, in the church. And thank God, what would we do without uh, our ladies and our women and those who have carried such a great burden? And today, I want to talk to you just a little bit about a great church experiences a holy fellowship. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you today that we can celebrate past victories and present ministries that are taking place because people heard the voice of the Spirit, heard the voice of God, and said, Lord, I here I am, send me, even when I don't understand, even when I don't know, even when it seems to be way beyond me, that you provide and you fill in the gaps and you make all things right. And so now, Lord, as we talk to this church, Lord, you know that we have learned to love the, these people. And I just pray today that, Lord, the Spirit of God will speak to all of us 
as we look about the portrait of a great church in Jesus' name. In many ways, the COVID pandemic changed the world a lot of ways. I think the church went into COVID thinking things would probably just always be the same, but we have come out realizing things are not quite the same. The nation went into COVID as one nation and have come out on the other side as a nation that sometimes it's hard for some of us to recognize. We began to understand that changes began to come. People started working from home, and they liked it. And they didn't have to drive and spend hours and hours and hours. So uh, many people began to work from home. People began to change jobs easily and quickly and fluidly, and they could just change, and, and there, there seemed to be, uh, and if they didn't like that job, they'd go to another job. People began to sell houses for unbelievable prices. Do any of you ladies watch HGTV? Oh, my, that is what my wife, that is her default. If she's not watching online this morning, I guarantee you HGTV is on. And we were watching last night, and there's this little tiny house that you cannot believe. And these people went in, and I have to give them, I mean, they fixed it up real nice. And they asked $888,000 for this house and got $900,000 for a house probably not a whole lot better than what most of you live in. I'm thinking, we have lost our minds. I mean, things are just crazy right now. But it also began in this COVID time, people began to question honestly, do I really need to go to church? You know, we've got so many things now that I've been out of church for so long, I, I can't get back in the habit. That happens. Let me just tell you, it only takes three Sundays to get out of the habit. Only three. And it takes seven to get back in. So don't miss three in a row unless you're deathly ill. And uh, so, but nevertheless, I begin to question this idea. Uh, should we really, do we have to go to church? And we have so many things on television and, and I'm so grateful for our online people and I want to welcome you. And, and this is not in any way to say that we don't value that ministry. But people began to coin a new phrase that I had never heard in my life before. And it was called worshiping alone with a little device or in front of a television or in front of a computer screen and worshiping alone. Can I just tell you that there is a danger in growing accustomed to worshiping alone? Worship was never designed to be done alone. Yes, there are private times, but the design of God is for his people to come together and for his people to understand what it means to come together for instruction, worship, fellowship, and service. 
The early church understood the importance of fellowship. I don't think we do sometimes. They understood the importance of fellowship. And the church in the book of Acts operated in a very simple way, and yet it turned the world upside down. The day of Pentecost had come, and I want to just read some scripture that the day of Pentecost had come, and, and as we begin to read through this, the Bible says that on that day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved in one day. In fact, this is what it says in chapter 2 and verse uh, 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. That means in one day their church went from 120 to 3,000. Whoa. Now that, that takes a lot of work. And so the question began to come up, how are we going to help disciple these people? How are we going to help them get involved? How are we going to help them to grow? How are we going to help them to do the work of ministry? What are we going to do? So they devised a very simple and yet effective strategy that literally turned the world upside down. Let's read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, and I believe we have it on the screen. Yes, and you can read it there as I read it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together, please notice this, all the believers met together in one place. Took a pretty big place for 3,000 people, wouldn't you say? And so they all met together in one place. And the Bible says, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. We're not saying to do that. Uh, and, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. And then here's the second part. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to, it doesn't say in this, the church. What does it say? Added to what? Their fellowship. That's a beautiful word for the church. Those who were being saved. The answer was pretty clear. The early church met together in one place for inspiration and celebration, and then they went out and met together in homes or in small groups. And, okay, when they met in that small group, what do they do? Eat Doritos and go home? No, no. Here's what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship by sharing meals. I had a good man, a good friend of mine who's now in heaven told me, he said, David, you never know a man until you break bread with him. And I believe that's really true. Sharing meals and partook of the Lord's Supper and devoted themselves to prayer. It's not just a group getting together to, hey, let's watch the ball game. It's a small group gathered together intentionally and on purpose 
to literally bring about spiritual growth and to bring about spiritual fellowship. And because of that, the Lord added to their fellowship daily those who were being saved. One person said the early church had two things that were irresistibly attractive to the early church world. The first was the gospel. They had never heard words like this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. They never heard words like, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. They had never heard words like, if you're born again, that you will never die, and I am the resurrection and the life, and he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And the early church began to say those things, and it was irresistible to people. They never heard such things. But there was another thing that was irresistible, and that was their fellowship. Because most people in the Roman world lived as slaves, and it was only the aristocracy, and the aristocracy was always worried about those who were coming behind them. So much different in the church. That's why I love seeing these young people come. That's why I love seeing Jonathan Barker, our younger than my daughter, who's coming to pastor on June the 1st. And, and I love to see these young people begin to make up the work of God. I, it's wonderful. And that they needed fellowship. So... I want to just speak then, and please take one of the notes out of your uh, worship folder, if you will, because I really want you to write this down, if you would. And I, I just want you to, to write these things down real quick, because I'm first of all going to talk about God's design for you, and then I'm going to talk about God's design for our church. So let's talk about, first of all, God has a design for you as a child of God. Just jot that down. And it, there are five specific areas that God wants you to be a part of as a child of God. And these are not trying to make you feel guilty. These are trying to help you say, okay, this is where I need a little help. This is where I need to step up. This is where I can grow. This is a growth point in my life. The first one is that God wants you as a child of God to understand grace. He wants you to understand grace. And you see, grace is that place to where God desires that everyone have a deep assurance and full confidence that you are forgiven of your sins and that you will go to heaven after this life is over. John Wesley said it like this. When they asked him, what does the witness of the Spirit mean? John Wesley said it like this, and I have loved it since I have been just a young man, a sweet inward persuasion that I even I have been forgiven, and that I, even I, have become a child of the living God. Until you know that deep in your soul, you know that deep in your heart, and there is no doubt, and it doesn't come by doing more works, it doesn't come by starting hope clinics, it doesn't come by uh, doing purgatory in the children's department, uh, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't, that's not the way it works. It's by grace. Now, I told you 
And I had two stories on Jamie, and Jamie, you'll remember this, I'm sure, pretty well. That um, I first met Jamie, I was actually going to the Adena Hospital, and I was going to see someone who was in the, uh, in the emergency room. And the emergency room was rather full, and so I went in there, and I was standing, and um, I'm sure none of you have ever noticed this, but patience is not my great virtue, uh, you know, and I, and I was thinking, hey, come on here, you know, come on, I got to see this person back here, and so one lady said, uh, you know, you just wait, I'll, I'll get to you, and so I, I don't know what I was looking like, I haven't asked Jamie that, but uh, she saw my distress, I didn't know her then, and she said, um, I'll take you with me, and I'll take you back there. I said, you will? She said, yeah. I said, oh, man, this is wonderful. So we started walking back through the hallway, and I said, my name's David Dean, and I'm the pastor at Brookside Church. She said, I know who you are. I said, oh, you do? She said, yeah. She said, we've actually come over there a time or two, my son and I, and, um, you know, we've been thinking about getting involved in church. She said, Jamie, you need to get involved in church. And she said, yeah, I know. We've been thinking about that. I said, well, just come, if you will. And she said, okay. The next Sunday, her and Tyler were in church. Oh, this is wonderful. And then I watched, and she kept coming and kept coming, and she was in church and in service. The next thing I knew, I didn't see her in the service, and I thought, well, where's she at? And somebody said, well, Jamie's helping with the children now. She, she's giving of herself to help with the children. And I said, well, that's really good. We went on for a little while. I don't know exactly how long it was, and I received a phone call. And Jamie said, Pastor David, I need to come in and talk to you. I always grow cold when people call the pastor and say, I've got to talk to you. I know what that usually means. We love you, but we're going to another church. And I went, oh, man, I wish that hadn't happened. And so she came in. My wife was in the front, and we greeted her, and we went in my little study. Remember that little study, Jamie? And uh, went in there, and... I sat in my big red chair, and she sat on the couch. And so we ch chatted for a few minutes, and so I just said, well, Jamie, what's on your mind? And she said, well, you keep saying that you can know that you're saved. I said, yeah, that's right. You keep saying that you can have this assurance in your heart that you know that, that you're converted, you know that you're saved. I said, yes, Jamie, you can have that. And she looked at me, and big tears started rolling down her face. She said, I don't have that assurance. What should I do? I said, well, Jamie, let's just talk about it. So I took out one of these little things, and some of you have seen those. Jamie, you remember that? And I took out one of the little steps to peace, and I said, well, Jamie, let's just go through this. And so I read through her the beautiful story of love and got to the point where at the end it said that uh, if you would open your heart, that he would come in. And I said, Jamie, I think we ought to pray right now. She said, you mean we can pray now? I said, yeah, it's not Sunday. It's, I don't remember what day it was, but I said, it's okay. You mean I can ask Jesus in my heart right now? And I said, yes, you can. And so she knelt at that little red couch where I led a number of people to the Lord. And I said, now, Jamie, I just want you, in your own words, to tell God that you've sinned 
I don't remember all that she said. I'm not a priest. She wasn't going into confession. But she began to pray earnestly and honestly and say, God, I've sinned. I know I've sinned. I, there's wrong in my heart. And I said, now, Jamie, in your own way, just ask the Lord to come into your heart. And so she did. And then I said, do you think God would lie to you? No. No. I said, here's, remember this verse? I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And she said, yeah. I said, did you open your heart's door the best you know how? She said, I did. If that's true, where is he right now? And Jamie, you couldn't see it, but I'll never forget it. There was a heavenly glow that went over her face that day. And tears began to roll down her face. And I said, Jamie, just in your own words, start telling God how thankful you are. And I'm telling you what, we had a camp meeting in that little office. And when she walked out of there, she said, for the first time I know that there is this deep assurance in my heart. I understand grace. I'm convinced had that experience not happened, Hope Clinic would not be. I'm convinced had she not started working with the children, Hope Clinic would not be. I'm convinced if she didn't uh, try to help a wayward or an impatient pastor, uh, maybe it would have eventually come, but some of the things wouldn't have happened. God wants you to understand grace. And then secondly, God wants you to be committed to growth. God desires to offer you salvation experience, but he wants you after you know that you're saved to commit to growing spiritually and experiencing the blessing and favor of God as you grow in your faith day by day and week by week. I have watched so many when they have made that decision to grow. And it's not always perfect. It's not always just one line up and to the right. Sometimes it's up and down and up and down. And I go center and I go back and I go here and I go that. It's not that you're perfect, but it's that you just keep trying. And you keep growing. And God wants you to grow as you take time for his word, as you take time to pray, as you grow out your faith and live out your faith, and as you try to reach out to others. I played on a basketball team in high school, and, and there was a little uh, um, uh, sign that was in there that said, when you're through growing, you're through. When you're through growing spiritually, no matter how old you are, you're through. And God wants you to make a commitment to growth. Three. God wants you to be, and this is somewhere that we have, and we are trying, and Pastor Deb and, and uh, Michelle Heller have been working, and, and I just am praying for both of you ladies more than you know, because I believe that God wants every believer to be connected to a group. We don't have that all connected here. We didn't have that all connected at Brookside. But I just want you to know that God wants you to be connected 
with a small group somewhere, whether it's a Sunday school class, a midweek Bible study, we have the the Sunday school class that Henderson teaches. We have uh, the, the deliver uh, the uh, celebrate recovery groups that that Ed teaches. We have ladies groups on Tuesday night. We have the purpose driven life that Deb was preaching on or teaching on Thursday, um, and that uh, I believe Pat Moore is teaching one on Tuesday night. And, the, and my favorite group is the coffee group. Uh, the men who come and sit and drink coffee. Uh, but you've got to be connected. To somebody, you've got to be connected until you know that you can be connected relationally to a small group of believers for the purpose of Bible study, fellowship, sharing, encouragement, support, and accountability. If you're going to become all that God wants you to be, and I'm praying that as Pastor Jonathan comes, that this opportunity will just blossom out and pray for Pastor Deb and pray for Michelle as they talk about this and finding the hosts and finding people that can be a part of this because what would happen in your life if you had five to ten people who knew you, who really knew you and who cared for you and who loved you and who needed you and was always glad you came. Remember that song? You know, sometimes you just want to go where everybody knows your name. Sometimes you just want to go, and they're always glad you came. How many of you ever know where that came from? You terrible sinners, you're terrible as I am. So that <laughs> God made us that way. Why do you think people go and hang out at bars? They're looking for that intimacy, and they're trying to find it there. And they, you know, good food. Yeah, and uh, I've never been there, so I don't know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, just heard about it. That's good, Red. But just know, God has made you for somebody else. And my, my dream, my hope, my prayer is that as we move into this next era of our church life, that small groups will become such a part until everyone can be connected to some kind of a group. Uh, if it's a Bible study on Wednesday, if it's a Bible study on Tuesday, if it's a Zoom group, if it's a coffee group, whatever it is, I'm praying that our worship team will become a small group, not just worshiping and practicing, but they become a group together where they love each other and pray for each other and understand the depth of what's going on. I pray for our sound people. I pray for our children's people. After they've taken care of your kids for two hours, they need a small group, believe me. I, but our, our children's group, our, our people that help with the food, our people that help uh, in other things. God does not want you to live alone. Would you say this with me? I want you to say, God does not want me to do life alone. Say it with me. God does not want me to do life alone. Amen. I, I, I just, I can't tell you how deeply I feel this. The fourth is that God wants you to understand your spiritual gifts. Had Jamie not understood spiritual gifts, 
she wouldn't have tried. And Lana had uh, gifts that Jamie didn't have, and Jamie had gifts that Lana didn't have, and they all had gifts that each other didn't have. God has given you special gifts and abilities for the purpose of building the body of Christ and reaching out to other people and reaching out into all areas of need. Discover your gifts. Develop your gifts. And deploy your gifts. And we did this the other day on a Wednesday night. And one young lady said, what does deploy mean? It says, use them. Uh, if you've got these gifts that are wonderful, it does nobody any good if you're just sitting on them and saying, how wonderful is this gift? It's wonderful. I have, I have the gift of helping people everywhere, but I don't do anything with it. You know, Use them. And then lastly, God wants you to become a giving person. God desires you to give not because it reveals our faith in his provision. It expresses our gratitude for his blessing and helps touch the world for Christ. Giving of our tithes and giving of our offering is never about how much money you have. It's always about how much faith you have. I'll never forget a pastor friend of mine had two experiences. One of them was he had a guy come to him and said, uh, Pastor, I, I, I know that you say we ought to tithe, but he said, you know, I make an awful lot of money. And he said, you know, I don't think I should give that much money to the church. Do you? He said, well, it's the tithe. He said, I just don't think I can give that much money to the church. And the pastor said, okay, it's no problem. Let's just get down here and pray. The guy said, okay. So they knelt down and prayed, and the guy started praying. Oh, God, will you take away this man's job, and will you take away all of his perks? And he said, wait a minute. That's not what I was praying for. <laughs> well, you said you couldn't do it. It's about our faith. And then another one got mad at the pastor because they didn't like something he was doing. I don't know what it was. But uh, I didn't like something he was doing. And they came up to him and they said, uh, I don't like what you're doing in church. Okay. I just want you to know until you start doing something different, I'm not paying my tithe here anymore. I said, okay. He said, can we just pray about it? <laughs> I said, okay. So I got down and right in the middle of the aisle of the church. Oh, God. Please bless so-and-so here. He's decided to rob you and decided, whoa, what are you talking about? He said, well, this isn't my money. This is God's money. And the Bible says that you're robbing God. God wants you to be a giver, not because of what it will do for others, but what it will do for you. You will win a victory over materialism. You will win a victory over a world that thinks you never have enough. And you will be laying up treasures, world without end. God's great desire for you is that you be a fully devoted follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about the church. And I'm just going to skim through these because... But this is where I am. This is where I've been. This is what I want. I believe this church, by and large, is here. But I want to set, as I, in these last two weeks, I want to set a dream out there 
Remember when I told you old men dream dreams and young men see visions, so I'm dreaming. And I'm saying this is the dream. God's design for his church is that it would be a church radically committed. And notice the word radically. And I don't mean you have to be nuts. I'm not talking about being crazy. I'm not talking about being uh, a foolish person. But I'm just saying we're radically committed to the word of God. If the Bible says it, that settles it. I believe the word. I'm not saying we take the Bible and, and hit people over the head with it. I'm not saying we use it as a sword. I'm not saying we use like that kind of stuff. But the word of God is our foundation. The word of God is transformational. It's not just us talking that comes. It's the word of God that literally sets people's lives completely changed. God's design is that we be a church radically committed to fellowship. And I've used this term called beneath the surface. You say, well, what do you mean? Most church dinners are pretty surfacy. How you doing? Good. How about those reds? Eh, I don't know this year. Well, you know, maybe the Buckeyes will do better. Yeah, well, they lost that one last year, you know. And uh, yeah, well, how's your health? And how's mom and them? And all that's okay. But God wants you to get to the place to where you go into a sense of fellowship that is deeper than that, where you know other people. I have worked so hard to get to know your names, and I still get Bob and Betty all confused, and, uh, you know, and it's Betty's birthday today, and I still get them all confused. And I still call Carl Alexander's wife Doris, and I have no idea why. Her name is Gloria, and I've called some other you names and looked at me, and, and uh, 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 Scott Fisher and, and Ed uh, and Nan's grandson, whose name's Hayden, and I've called him Hunter for uh, all this time. And, uh, <laughs> you know... Somewhere along the line, we need to get to know others. And somewhere along the line, we, get, we need to be known by others. Somewhere along, along the line, we need fellowship that's authentic. That's saying, you know what? I'm not doing so hot here. You know what? I'm really struggling right now. And not people to judge you and throw you under the bus. But people say, we love you. And when people walk in and they may have all kinds of sins hanging all around them. It's not we say, okay, we love that sin. No, no, no. We just want you to know we love you. And if I can show you to Jesus... Jesus can help take care of whatever it is you're dealing with. I can't do it, but we can become authentic and, and it's a fellowship that can change his lives. A church radically committed to seeking after the lost. A church radically committed to seeking after the lost. And as we you say, why should we worry about that? Because every person is looking for destiny. Every person is looking for significance. Every person is looking for love, relationships, and community. Every person is looking for a sense and meaning in life. And every person is looking for some kind of truth. Everyone is looking for hope. 
Now, they'll find it in all kinds of different ways, but if you know that, you can reach out. They may not accept it. They may say no, but may this church ever, ever, ever be radically committed to finding lost people everywhere and telling them the good news that Jesus loves them, that we love them, and that God can change their lives and make them altogether new people. Amen. God bless you. And, uh, <laughs> Amen. A church that's radically committed to sharing the wealth when people are in need in our church, those are the first ones. If people are struggling with need, we need to help them. When people are around us in our neighborhoods and close proximity, we need to try to help them. Those in need around the nation and even around the world, oh, it is a mark of what God does is when we come to the place of understanding that a church radically shares. That's what brought about Hope Clinic to begin. People didn't have a place to go get their children taken care of. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. There were people who didn't have enough money to, to go out somewhere and, and, and do the things that needed to be done. And so they just stayed home. Can I just tell you that's never Okay, the church of Jesus Christ needs to rise up and say, we want to give you a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. May we always have, and we do have that heart, a church that is radically committed to love of another kind. Say, so what do you mean? The world's love is, what can you do for me? How can you make me happy. And when I'm around you, I'm really happy. I, I just feel good when I'm around you, so therefore I must love you. That's the world's definition of love. The definition that God gives is totally a different definition. It is not what can I get from you, but what can I give to you. How can I make you happy? And what can I do and how can I, I the question that I love better than any question that's ever been asked of me at any time, how can I help you best? That's what God's love does. And then a church that is the hope of the world, in a world of lies, it speaks truth. In a world of sin, it speaks redemption. In a world of slavery, it speaks freedom. In a world of darkness, it speaks light. In a world of hate, it speaks love. And in a world of, of so-called science, it speaks Jesus. I want you to read this passage of Scripture. And I'd like to have Henderson James, if he would. He, we're doing something a little different today. Henderson, would you come and just play softly the old song, Glory to His Name? But then we're going to see a video, and we're going to sing it together in just a moment. But the Bible says that Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. He did this to present her to himself 
as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she would be fully and without fault. I love the church. Most nights as I fall asleep, I think there is nothing like the church when the church is working right. The church is proclaiming the message of God's love, God's promises, and God's care to a world gone mad. The church is the hope of the world, and I gladly commit to serving God with my one and only life until he calls me home. Last thing. Then I'm going to ask you, if you will, take your connection card while we're, I'm reading this last, and though I do want you to hear this, it's right in your worship folder there, the little connection card that has your name on it. We're going to use this in our invitation here today. I want you to listen to this quote that has burned in my heart for over 30 years. The first time I read it, I thought, that's, that's my heart. That's where I am. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to spend my life. Here's what it says. You'll see it in different slides. You tell me, what is nobler? What is loftier? What is a higher purpose in life than devoting yourself to establishing and developing a community of believers that strives to live out the Acts 2 description of the Bride of Christ, to creating supportive and an encouraging place where spirit-led preaching brings new God-focused direction to people's lives, where believers gather in small groups to share their hearts on deepest levels, where people compassionately walk with each other through life's problems and pain, where everyone feels empowered to make a difference through their spiritual gifts, where prayer, worship, and the sacraments are lifted up, and where the rich share with, with their God-given resources with the poor, and where people ache so much for their lost friends that the church gets strategic and takes risks to reach them. For the gospel's sake. God's design. With our heads bowed for just a moment. Will you take that little connection card? I gave you at the outset of this message five G's. Grace, growth, groups, gifts, and giving. Would you just simply put on the back side of that connection card the one I need the most help in right now is this. If you know you're saved and you say, I, can, I, I need help in all the rest of them, just put growth. If you know that God has blessed you and helped you in so much and you know you're saved and you're growing but you've never been connected with a group, would you just put it down, I need help? 
finding and understanding and, and working my way mentally through this process of getting connected with a group. And if I am doing that, then I really don't know my gifts yet. And I, I really want to do something for God. I really, really do. But I, I don't know. I need help in my gifts. Or if there are some of you and say, I, I, you know, the biggest issue in my life is giving. It's been a struggle for me. I don't know how I pay the bills. I don't know what I do. If I give like God wants me to give, what am I going to do? Let me tell you what's going to happen. Jesus said, God said, if you'll, op if you'll bring the tithe into the storehouse, I'll open the windows of heaven and bless you till there's not room enough to receive it. It's not about money. It's about faith. Do you believe God? Would you just simply write one or two of those down? I'd love it if you would to put your name on the other side and then we're going to drop it in the offering basket as it passes by in just a minute. We want to help you. We cannot help you if we don't know where you are. And now I want us to, would you lay your hands on that? And I want to pray and I want to plead the blood. And if our worship team would like to come, we're going to do a, another video. I've been doing this last few weeks. I'll never, I won't do it forever, but these last few weeks, it's been a blessing to my heart. Father, you see where we all are today. And Lord, your design for our lives. There are some that really have not experienced grace Lord, they're trying, but they've never really known that deep assurance of God's grace and power in their lives. Lord, will you come this day and help them to repent of their sin and seek God's grace and say, I know I've sinned. I admit I've sinned. I believe that you love me, and I confess you today. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There are some that have been saved, but they've not grown for years. They've just been going on with the same old, same old, same old, same old, and they're not really growing. And Lord, challenge them that whether they be young or old, that they could grow in their faith. Lord, there are some that love the big service, but they're too timid, they're too shy, they're too afraid to get connected with some kind of a group. Lord, would you just help them to understand that if they will take that step as the church provides opportunities, that their lives can become richer and deeper and fuller and more grounded in Christ than they've ever known before. Lord, those that have never yet discovered their gifts, they know they want to do something for God, but they have no idea what it is. Oh, God. Or they do know what it is, but they just need help to find out how to get it there. Then, Lord, in the whole giving piece, you know how hard that is. And, Lord, we all know that our finances are the last thing to be committed to God and usually the first thing we take off the altar. Lord, for all of us here today, me included, look deep into my heart. I want you to be Lord of all, and I want to believe your word, and I claim right now the power and the grace 
of the Lord Jesus. And I believe you and I thank God for the blood. The blood that is applied to our hearts and to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I think our worship team, I think they're coming uh, to sing with us here, but there's a video I want you to see. There are two songs that have been given to me over the last year that absolutely have rocked my world. The first one was I Speak Jesus, and we sang that the other day. The second one is Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, you have washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Thank you. Will you stand with us together? And as we, and as this is played, I pray that we might just understand together. And as we sing this together, is anyone else coming? Just you. Just you. All right. Okay. So let's, will you just, if you know this song, sing it with us. If you don't know it, you'll pick it up. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Let's all stand. Listen to 